This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, the subject that I want to speak about, we just finished the whole Sefer Bereshis. And, um, you know, everybody has, I guess, favorites in the Torah, people that they want to be like, people that you learn a lot from. So there are really two in, in, in my life, learning through the Torah, that, that um, really are just in awe of, and that was Yesi Batsavik. And everything he went through, and much Rabbeinu. So it's like you finish Bereshit, you have Yitzhak Tzadik last three parashas, and then the rest of the Torah you have you have Moshe Rabbeinu. I always found it fascinating that Moshe Rabbeinu. I think it was the lesson I needed to know before I went into Chinuch and before I went into dealing with the Rabbin that throughout the whole Torah, from the day that Moshe Rabbeinu started, and he took Klayshul out of out of Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, everything that he did. I mean, the whole Torah he, he killed himself. He fought with Hashem, you know. Uh, after the ego, never once the Klayish will say thank you. And the whole time. Never once the Klayish will say I'm sorry. For everything they put him through. And at the end of his life, when he died, you can imagine when someone dies at Sadi, get up one speech after another speech after another speech after another speech. There should have been no speeches. One little teeny pasuk, Eved Hashem. Period. Don't say it. Goyim, Godol, Rosh Hashiva. You know the head of Chayisro, Rabbeinu, Moreinu, Zidneinu. Nothing. Just Eved Hashem. I'm absolutely in awe of that. That his whole life he served Chayisro. Never got a thank you. Never got I'm sorry. And all he wanted on his he didn't have a stone because he was, we don't know where he's buried, was that he's in Ebed Hashem. At the end of the day, I didn't do it for you. I didn't do it for Kleistrom. So you can't hurt me. If I'm not working for you, you can't hurt me. I did it because I was in Ebed Hashem. I did it for <coughs> Therefore, I don't need him. If you're working for Hashem, anyone who's really working for Hashem, and if you're teaching, and you, and you, it's interesting, when I started teaching, so the principal, he just passed away. He was already for 60 years. That's pretty hard to be ready for 60 years. And he told me, he said, if you want to make it in Chinuch, never take it personal. Now, I get very upset because here I am, this young guy. I'm going in and I'm like, he was from Europe, you know, from the old time. And I'm like, this is the problem with these guys. You know, they come in, they teach, they don't care about the kids, it's cold. You know, I'm the American rabbi. Of course, I take it personally. Every kid's like my own son. I got all excited. It's my little child, and I think anything doesn't feel well. This is the problem with European allies. Don't take it personally. I, I was so upset at him. I didn't understand what he was telling me. <coughs> so before I even start my shit tonight, I want to tell you a story that happened to me, and it's just important. A lot of girls go into chinuch into teaching, and it's not only for teaching, it's for your children. The, the woman, there's no Shiloh. The woman is the parents of bias. You're the one who deals day to day with your children through all their problems, whatever you have to do, and we, the men, we take the credit. That's how it works. We do the work, we take the credit. When everything is going good, we take the credit. When things are not going good, it's like, why isn't anybody listening to me? Why don't you listen to me? But that's the, that's the way That's the way it's always been. So, I love my students very much. I'm already for 35 years, and they're like my own children. Whether they're girls or boys, doesn't make a difference. And many years ago, so I, I was very, I was a Rebbe for 8th grade boys, and I used to buy them donuts every single day. 
after davening, right? So we'd have three boxes of donuts, and every kid would get himself a donut, he would have a donut, and of course they couldn't control themselves to recess, so they would eat it before class, for breakfast, and I myself also had a donut, since I was giving them all out, and the math didn't work out, but the three boxes, there were eight donuts in each box, which is 24, and there were only 24 kids, so it was perfect, the 24th donut, what are we going to do with it, what are we going to give it to it, so I gave it to myself. So, one day, so they all ate it, I ate it after I can control myself, so I ate it lunchtime at 12 o'clock. One day, so this donut used to sit quietly, this chocolate donut would sit quietly on, on, this, on, on my desk, nice and lonely by itself. And I wanted to stay lonely until I got to it. And one day I came back from recess, and the donut's gone. And whoever took the donut left the paper towel with some little crumbs on it. So I was like really very upset because when you give somebody, and you give somebody, and you give somebody, and then they, they go into your pocket, so to say, and they take something away from you. It's like, why, you know, just ask me for my donut, or just, I'll buy another box. It's not about that. You, so, so my class comes back, and, I'm, and I come back, and my donut's gone. So it sounds very silly, right? <laughs> sounds crazy, right? Go away, you can, right? But it becomes very personal. So my donut's gone. So I say to the class, um, whoever took my donut, I would like you to confess, and um, we need to talk outside the class. Of course, nobody would confess. But at this point, they realized that Rebbe's pretty upset about this. So I said, no problem. If the boy that took my donut will not admit that he took it, then we're just not going to have recess anymore until I get my donut back, until I know who took it. So this all of a sudden man goes up, and he says, Rabbi, uh, I ate your donut. I'm like, okay, come outside, I want to talk to you. So he comes outside, and I'm like beyond myself, because of all the kids in my class, this was the kid that I had in my house for Shabbos, this is the kid that I gave money never asked him to pay me back, this was the boy that I took care of more than any other kid in my class. So I walk outside, and I'm already, the blood flushing up the back of my neck, I'm already, this guy, I mean, I don't know what the punishment is, you know, hang him, break his legs, <laughs> I took my donut, I took my donut. So he comes outside, he's already white, he's an eighth grader, and I'm like, I don't think you understand what you did. He said, let me explain to you what you did. You took your hand, and you put it down my throat, and you took this donut out of my stomach, pulled it out of my stomach, and put it into your mouth, and into your stomach. He's like, no, Rebbe, I took it off the desk. I was being a wise guy, and I'm getting even. I said, you know what, I have to take it. I have to be honest with you. The lack of our is probably the worst Mida where the Torah tells us. Like Adam, when Hashem said, who gave you from the tree? He said, the woman that you gave me. So Rashi said that was a kafwe toy. He should have said the woman, but he threw it back in Hashem's face. You know the woman that you gave me to, to make things better? Look what you did, Hashem. You made it worse. So Rashi said, that's a kafwe toy. It's like a kid who has ice cream all over himself, and the mother says, what did you do? And he's like, your fault. What do you mean it's my fault? You gave me the ice cream. Hello? I gave you the ice cream to eat. It's my fault that you smeared it all over your jacket. Right? So that's a couple of times. I'm not going to give you the ice cream again. So because Baruch was unbelievable person. So right after that, Hashem says, you are Afra, you come from Afra, you're going to Afra. Hashem's trash talking. You're like, what, what does that mean? Because Baruch said, Adam, you're, you're, you're made out of Afra. What did I do? I put Nishmas Chaim. I put part of me. You're my image. 
Okay? Um, you're in my image. What's my image? What's Hashem's image? What does that mean? We're in Hashem's image. Because Baruch Hu is so mocked on HaKar Satoy. That a person appreciates when somebody helps them. The whole basis of Kibbutz Aims, the whole basis of everything that, that exists. Balak, Balak, a Russia who hired Bilam to curse Yisrael, has his name in the Torah. A guy, a Russia, he hired Bilam to curse us. Why is a Pasha being called Balak? And the Torah Semegra says, because at the bottom line, he hired Bilam to curse us, but Bilam ended up blessing us. My people, Lechi Yaakov. Mishkin Sechi Yisrael, you say every morning, came from Bilam, who was hired by Balak. Therefore, because Balak said, I have to show him, I curse the faith, to show him, I curse the faith. He hired to curse us, only because you made a miracle invention. Doesn't matter. End, the end of it, what happened? The end of it, you got a bracha, you owe him. Same thing with Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is allowed to marry into the Jewish nation. Why, says the Torah? Because you were slaves in their land. So that's the reason I shouldn't let them marry. Wrong. You lived in their houses? You know, when I was a slave. You ate their food? And when I was a slave, doesn't matter. You got something from them? Even though you were a slave, you're allowed to marry into Klyestro. Because Baruch Hu is very mocked, not carousel played, in appreciation. So he said to Adam, once you're a coffee tub and you're saying to me, the woman that I gave you, you're throwing it back in my face, then you're offer and you came from Afra, and you're going to Afra, and there's no other anymore, because my Tzalem Olokin only comes to the person who appreciates them. And therefore, you are Afra. What happened? He asked them, right after that, he asked Adam to name his wife. At that point, what should Adam named his wife? What did she bring to him? Because of the age of God, she brought death. She brought death to the world. Before that, there was no death to the world. Fascinating Rashi. I don't usually say this by women's shirim, I say this by the guy's shirim. Because you're not going to like what it says, but it's a fascinating Rashi. <laughs> Rashi asks a question. Rashi says that once Chava ate from the Eitz so she knew Ben Toiv So she was godly. Adam, he didn't know Ben Toiv So he only knew Toiv. So everything was good. She burnt the soup? Good. His toes? Good. His pants are locked? Good. His, his socks are all mixed up? Good. She had life. She had the perfect life. She had a husband. All well, he knew time. And she's way above him. This is perfect. She goes and she gives him to eat from the tree and makes him an equal? <coughs> What's she thinking? <laughs> Rashi says it. What's she thinking? Rashi says something very scary. Rashi says that she said, I ate from the Eitzadas and I'm going to die. Why should I die and he's going to live longer than me? So she actually sort of murdered him. She gave him knowing that I'm not. I'm now going to die for the eighth and eighth He's not going to live. Says Rashi, what did it bother her? So let the old guy live. What do you care? Let him live to 500, 800, 900, 2,000. If you're dead, what do you care? Look at the Rashi where it says that she gave to her husband. The Rashi says, Shema, maybe, Tisa Acher. When I die... He's going to marry somebody else. You hear? I'm going to let him live while I'm dead and remarry? He's going down with me. <laughs> she gave him the Eitzhadas. So they ask Akasha. That's very apropos to what I'm going to speak tonight. They ask Akasha. What was she worried about? There was no other woman. It was only Chavo. 
So what do you mean you're going to die and you're going to marry someone else? Once you die, there's no one else to marry. Doesn't have to be. When a person's jealous, doesn't have to make sense. I don't know, but if I'm not here anymore, I can't make sure he won't marry. I don't know what he's going to marry, but if I'm not here, he can't marry anyone. So she gave him from the Eitz Hadas. She practically murdered him on purpose. So now, Hashem says to Adam, you know, your wife has no name. Could you give her a name? Now, this is the wrong time to ask a husband to give his wife a name. <laughs> because she just gave him from the age of God so that he won't live any longer than her. So, like, why don't you wait, like, a couple of years till he forgets about this? No! The next passing Hashem is, give her a name. Godless. So, I would have called her Mr. Mashuna. <laughs> she brought death to the world, right? Misa, maybe an Israeli name, with a little hey, known at the end, or something like that. Like, you know, Misina, or something like that. She remind you of it, right? What did he call her? Chava. Ki ain't kochai. One second, she's not ain't kochai. She's not the mother of all life. She brought death to the world. What are you talking about, Adam? But Adam learned his lesson. Because Bochum said, you're afar. You don't have appreciation. I'll give her a name. So he learned his lesson. He said, one second. What's her curse? Her curse is that for nine months, she's going to be pregnant. And she's going to go through labor. Her whole life, she's going to go through pain about having children. I don't have that pain. Because if we had that pain, men, you all wouldn't be in the room. Because we'd have no children. <laughs> sure. No matter how good Ornava is, it would be empty every night. <laughs> you know people. And you know one here. But the truth is, Adam said like this, I got cursed that I'm going to die. But she got cursed that all the children that are coming to the world are going to be painful. I am not going to be selfish anymore. I am not going to think about what happened to me. She's the mother of all life. And that's going to be so painful. And she's going to go through it. I'm not going to go through it. I'm not going to focus on my pain. I'm going to focus on her pain. So we call her Chava. And the next passage tells us that the Kaj Baruch Hu said, Hain Adam, he is back to being a person. He's back to no more Afwa, he's back to being a person because he has Akara Sato, because he has appreciation. The bottom line to the Jew and the human being altogether is a person who has Akara Sato, who has appreciation. And Kaj Baruch Hu takes that to the, to the limit. And there, there is no question that if we had that meter worked out, that our relationship between us and our parents and us and each other would be very, very different. So what happened with this boy? So I said to him, I didn't give him this whole share, right? I said to him, you have no across the throat. I, as a Rebbe, cannot teach you anything. Because I'm a very big believer, and I tell this to all the teachers in the school, if you have any twinge of a bad feeling towards a kid, when not to hilchas kamatoy in the Rama, you're not allowed to teach that child. If he ever did anything wrong to you, his family. If there's any, you walk into that room, you have any personal thing, a one percent thing against that child, you either quit or the child goes into the parallel class. You are not allowed to teach it. It's in hilchas kamatoy. So I said to him, I cannot teach you. Anymore. You went after everything I did to you. I have a silly little donut that you know. And I enjoy every day my lunch. What were you thinking? You went up to my desk. I want to know your thinking process. When you put that your hand on that donut, 
Rebby's Donut. Okay. So you put your hand on it, it's like, oh, it's Rebby's Donut. I shouldn't do this. Is that what you thought? No. I'm like, when you were putting it up to your mouth and you think, oh, it's Rebby's Donut. Who's, what is he going to have today? Did you think about me? No. I'm like, so I can't have you in my class. And therefore, you're going to have to be in seventh grade. There's three months left. I promise you, we're eighth graders. I'll graduate you. You'll come a week before. Then I can't teach you. It would not be fair. I cannot teach you. So I went into the office and I told the principal. I said, I just left the kid back, so-and-so. Hey, Faye, what do you do? I'm like, was he cheating on a test? I'm like, no. He said some nasty words. Middle pad? I'm like, no. So what did he do? You, You never, I never in my life left the kid back. You never did this. What did he do? I'm like, he ate my donut. He ate your donut? I'm like, he ate my donut and don't ask me any more questions. You cannot be my So I went home. I went home that day. Of course, I didn't feel very good about it. But I have to teach the rest of the class a lesson. And I don't know if it was my wife that said it to me or my father that said it to me. And I told them I came home very upset because it's very upset when someone that you love does this to you and you're not going to understand. I don't think children can understand parents. You do and you do and you do and you do and you do. And it's, it's not that, it, it's that, that the, the kid doesn't appreciate what you do, but they get smacked in the face with what you do for them. You get thrown back. It's very, it's very hard. It's very, very hard. So I was very upset. Very upset. I don't get upset about much things. I get upset about my tummy, and I, get, I was very, very upset. And I don't know if it was my wife or my father who saw that I was very upset and said to me, what's going on? And once again, I was embarrassed to say, somebody ate my donut. You know, it's like, I'm an adult man, that's not really like a good reason why. You know? But it was what was behind it. So they said something very brilliant. Let me ask you a question. If you were to come back to class, your donut was on the desk. But there was another kid in the class. And he left the donut on the desk. He didn't eat it. And you came back, and the donut's gone. And he's like, Rebby, somebody ate my donut! What would you say? Get over it. Get over it! It's a donut! What are you getting crazy? No, Rebby, you have to throw him out! You have to leave him back! I'm like, are you crazy? Leave back a kid for eating a donut? We'll find the kid. We'll get you another donut. It's a donut! Manishtana. How come I didn't say that? The same thing I would tell somebody else for his donut. How come I didn't say it? Because it wasn't someone else's donut. It was mine. So what Rav Shoy or the Shalom told me when I first began to teach was don't take it personally. You took the donut personally. If it was anybody else's donut, it would have been a whole different speech. You shouldn't steal. And if you're very hungry, you could come and ask me. You would have never left them back. But what happened? You took it personally. So as a teacher... When that's your psychology, and as a parent, more as a parent, when a kid misbehaves, and it's for the young girls who are married, and for the girls who are not married, and for the babies, and for the mothers, this is a very important lesson in Chinuch. When your kid does something totally wrong, and, you know, a kid comes home with a 50, now I have to tell you something, I have a, I have a whole sheer prepared tonight, I haven't said one word of it yet. Not a single word. Before I walked in here, I say it too little before I give a share. Because I know what I want to say. But I don't know what they need to hear. You know what's going on in that room, what they need to hear. 
I know what I have to say, but you know what, the, come, my, what comes out of my mouth should not be what I need to say. It should be what they need to hear. This has absolutely nothing to do with anything with Yeshivat <laughs> So this is coming straight from Shemayim. For somebody, maybe for me, for somebody in this room. But I have to tell you something. No child, if you're a teacher or a parent, no child says before they do the craziest thing wrong, I'm here to aggravate my teachers. That's not why they're doing it. They're doing it for whatever reason they're doing it. But don't take it personally. Make believe, and it's so true in bringing up children, make believe your neighbor came to you and told you, you know what my daughter just did to me? What you would tell her. Okay, you have to have patience. You have to understand where she's coming from. Something to get that excited about. If you're able to take your child when they do that something wrong and push it off like the other kid in the class that the daughter was stolen, I would be like, if I would hear a story that already left back a kid because he had a donut, I would give a whole share. Oh, why you throw that ready out? What, is he crazy? Let the kid out because of a donut? The guy's insane! great speech for everybody else, but when it happens to you, right? It's very easy to give advice to people on their children or on your child. So the godless of this man who actually learned by the Chofetz Chaim, who told me, don't take it personally, it's an unbelievable thing in Chaim. I'll give you an example now of trying to get into the shit. God's not letting you go there. The kid comes home with a 50. He comes over the 50. So what's our reaction? Chaim! A 50? Do you know that your father works three jobs to pay your tuition? To pay for your tutor? He's going to have a heart attack. You're going to cause him to be sick. Chaim, what's wrong with you? I mean, you get a 50. You know the name of the family? You know all the other kids are going to go home and tell their mother... And my son got a 50? You know how embarrassed you're embarrassing your mother? And your sister? She's dating? How's she gonna get a shit up? You got a 50? Are you gonna think the whole family's stupid? Now let's go into this kid's mind. He gets back the paper from the teacher. 50. Circle once. Circle twice. Failing! He's in seventh grade. You think he didn't figure out that 50's failing yet? I mean, hello? He just went, failing! And then, because you really think they have no brains, parent signature with a line and an X. You have to sign right here. So the kids are already going home like this. Right? 50 failing parent signature. Oh my God. You know, and you know, half the time they don't show it to you, whatever it is. They bury it, they put it under your pillow, in the bathroom. When you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you'll be sleeping, you'll be see it. You know, all kinds of ideas. All kinds of ideas. Put it in the father's briefcase. He's at work all of a sudden in the middle of the meeting. Right? Oh my God! I'm like, what happened? Oh, nothing, nothing. It's in the briefcase. It's in the briefcase. Right? So the kid already has such an era. He does. He's such a little kid. He's such an era. So now, what did we just do to this kid? On top of his ear, he's thinking like this. Oh no! I'm killing my father! I'm a murderer! I'm a vice! My mother Barabi, and everyone's talking about her! My sister's never gonna get married! I'm never gonna be an uncle! This is terrible! This poor little kid who had this little 50, he's 
now a murderer, an embarrasser, destroying your sister's life. You're laughing. Call it to a little kid's mind. This is what he's walking around with. And then we don't understand. He's depressed. He's making it his pants. He has this problem. He has that problem. We need therapists. We need psychologists. We need medicine. We need life coaches. What's going on? I'm walking. Why is my kid depressed? Why isn't he depressed? He's walking around. He's a murderer. Every time his father coughs, I get it. His father has the flu. I get it. His mother's dead. His father's going to get sick. Don't take the 50 personally. He didn't sit down to take that test and say, I want to get a 50 so I can embarrass my parents. He sat down did that test thinking he's going to get 100. Thinking that he knows his stuff. He's as much shocked as you are that he got a 50. Don't judge his child. His, and I spoke to 40 principles about this. His, because Baruch gives us our IQ. So there's girls in my class that have a 95 IQ. And the girls in my class that have 135 IQ. And the girls in my class that can't remember their first name. And the girls in my class that can remember all the serial numbers on every dollar that's in their pocket. They have a crazy memory. And there are kids who are ADHD. And there are kids who can sit and there are kids who cannot sit. Who gave them those abilities? Could have those abilities. God gave her the 95 IQ. God gave her the 135 IQ. So what are you getting crazy over her marks for? As long as she's trying her hardest... As long as the side of the report card that's effort has a straight olives, effort, conduct, interpersonal relationships, behavior in class, attendance, they all have olives. The other side of the report card is not her fault. If she gets an olive in effort, then all those marks on the other side, whether they're 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or whatever they are, those are olives. Because if she's using all her abilities, the teacher's saying, 100 in effort. So what do you want from her? So she, she's getting a 70? My child, your child is a 100 student. She's doing 100% of her abilities. So I told these 40 principals in L.A., I said, the other side of the report card should not exist. That we don't have a right. We should take that side of the report card. Chomesh, Alakha, Mishnah, Tehillim. Tehillim became a subject. Tehillim is a subject. The girl told me, the girl told me that she got punished. She had to write five times to capital Tehillim because she spoke out in class. So I said, wow! What's going to happen when you get married? Someone's not feeling well, they're going to say, listen, we have a Tehillim, uh, we need you to say Tehillim. What are you wrong? <laughs> what do I do? Tehillim's a punishment. But what I know, but the mean king, he sat down one day and said, good, I'm going to write Tehillim. <laughs> punishment for all the children in life. And then one day, he was in a very bad mood. Governor Melk was in a bad mood. He said, it's not good enough that I wrote Tehillim to punish them. I'm going to write Cook your test! <laughs> a, hundred, a hundred sentences! Then they're really gonna get punished! The Hillim is a punishment? The Hillim is a subject? Ladies, the reason I'm telling you this is because the, the mothers react much more to the marks than the father. Because most of us fathers, those are our marks we got in school. We can't say it! Like, how'd you get a 60? Dad, can I see your report card? Well, uh, mommy put it away a long time ago. You know, the mother's coming out, look! Look, Al, Al, Al plus, Al, Al, Al. What's that you? Unbelievable. So the, the mothers are much stricter on the marks. You have to understand that if they're doing their best, they're doing their best, what, what do we what do we want from them? Tyra is not, Tyra is not, he's not a subject. That's why we're losing so many kids. Tyra is life, Tyra is not a subject. Homish is life. Chumash is a lesson from everybody. Chumash is, is a tragic book. You know that? It's tragedy. Everyone thinks Chumash is, well, everybody did great. Rob did great. Sarah did great. Rockley Man did great. Sure, Rockley Man did great. 
Her sisters stole her husband. She died a child who never saw Benjamin. Her son was sold out to betray him. Great life. Her father was love on. Fantastic. Great life Ruffle had. Tragic life Ruffle had. Or maybe Leah, who cried her whole life. But her eyes were swollen. Who had a good life? Rivka? Rivka had a good life? Dealing with Esau, her son? Being brought up by Suel and Lavan? She had a charmed life? Sorry, Menu? We have organizations today for children, people who don't have children to have children. Sorry, Menu was 90 years old. It was over. She accepted. She wasn't having children. She laughed when they told her she was going to have children. A woman to live her whole life without drama, Venu? You know, I, I get this also. I'm the guy who helps girls get into school, right? So if I, and I can get everyone, any girl that needs to get into a seminary to a school, or if you can do it, what happens when you can't get your own daughter into the seminary that you want? Hello? For anybody else, you can do it, but for your own, you can't? What did Sorry Man, Romavino, he wore something around his neck. He healed the whole world. His brother was unbelievable. What do you think Sorry came to Abraham? No? No? 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. No, we're the kids. And then Yishmael shows up from Hagar. Do you know the life that Sari Imenu went through till she was 90 years old? Who had a good life? Noah? Adam? Chava? Who? Yosef? Who? Who had a good life in the Torah? Nobody. Who threw all of Yehuda? Friday and Asha? Who? Who had a good life? So the Torah is not a subject. Torah is life. Chumash is life. You can learn from everything that happened in the Chumash. Which brings me to Yosef HaTzadim. So Yosef HaTzadim, Pashat Vayeshev. So his father tells him to go. Now his brothers do not like him. What would you like? <laughs> all right, part one is now over. You can all get refreshments. Fine. All right, all the young girls shut up now. <laughs>
You missed the story of the daughter of Sarah. Uh, what happened to my tissue? Anyway. I apologize. Part two. Over the curtains? Okay. Part two. Here we are. So, Pashvayeshev. So, Yosef HaTzadik is told by his father to go down and see his see what's doing with his brothers who were shepherds. Now, we have to understand the situation at this point. Yosef HaTzadik had dreams. He told both his dreams. Okay, I'll tell you a little joke. A little girl that came in don't know that I'm not so serious. So, Yosef, we know Yosef HaTzadik had a dream, and in the dream he saw 11 stars, and he saw a moon and, and the sun, and they were all bowing down to him. The eleven stars were his eleven brothers, and the sun was his father Yaakov, and the moon was Leah, and the twelve brothers were very upset. One thing is you make up stories about us oh, bad down to you, but how could you have the for that? Our mother and our father bowed down to him. They were by Kanaway, so they were jealous of him, they were angry at him, they did not have a good relationship with their brother. So the so the Khazal asked asked a very good question. He had a sister Dina. We know that he had a sister Dina. So the eleven stars were the eleven brothers. But there should have been a twelfth star representing Dina. Also bowing down to him, why was she left out? So the answer is as follows. Dina, from Shem, had a baby. And the baby's name was Osnas. And Yosef Atzadik ended up marrying, as we know in Mitzrayim, Osnas. Osnas was Dina's daughter from Shem. Which means if he married Osnas, and Osnas was Dina's daughter, now what was Dina to Yosef? His mother-in-law. She had Osnas, and she married Osnas, so therefore, you know what his mother-in-law So Chazal said that we learn from here that even in your dream, your mother-in-law will never bow down. Not a Chazal, not a Chazal, don't write it down. Go. So what did you learn last night? No. Now we're going to get serious. So, so he's, not loved, he's not loved by his brothers. And his father sent him on a mission to go see how your brothers are doing. Really, Yaakov Avinu's plan here was to get Yosef together with his brothers that this homachleke should, should stop. Okay. So he goes down. Very interesting ish, And a man found him. He was wandering. He was lost in the field. And the man asked him, Matavakish, and Rashi says the man was a Malach Gabriel. He asked him, what do you want? Matavakish, what do you want? So, two questions. One, because by Yitzhak Ish, a man found him, he was lost. It should say, you don't find something and then he gets lost. It's lost and then you find it. So it should say, he was lost. By Yitzhak Ish, and a man found him. Not a man found him and he was lost. But it should say he was lost and a man found him. Question number one. Question number two is, when you see somebody lost in Muncie and doesn't know where he's going, you don't ask him, so what do you want? You ask him, where are you going? And then when they give you the address, we tell him how to get there. So the Malach should have said, not what do you want? Malach should have said, where are you going? No. Malach asked him, what do you want? So the first difference is very interesting that you shouldn't wait for a person to be lost to start to find them. You should find them before he's lost, says the Pasuk. So he was, this, this Malach was looking for lost people. So by Yitzhak, he found him, he was lost. So we, we in Chinuch know that the prevention is much easier than intervention. Once the person's lost, 
to bring them back takes a lot of koyach. But to stop them from getting lost, it's much easier. So the Malach over here, he was looking for lost people. So he found him. He said, so how are you doing? You lost? That's how we do chenach. Not wait till the kid's lost and he's desperate and you have to wait till he knocks on your door. You have to knock on his door. And then you'll find out that he's got problems with going through a situation because you found him before he got lost. But the second part, what do you want? And this is really what my share is about. The Malach is a Malach. He knew, he knew that he was going to his brothers and he didn't know where they were. He had a much deeper question for Yosef. He said, your brothers don't like you. You are not, you don't belong to them. What do you want? Do you really, you really want, you want to keep telling dreams and you want to be separate from them? Or do you really want them to be your brothers? What do you want? So he answered, I just want to belong. I want to be one of my brothers. I am. I don't belong. The worst thing in a person's life is loneliness. The Torah tells us, Hashem did not create man to live alone. So what do you do for a 15, 16-year-old guy? You should get married? No. A person needs to have friends. A person cannot live alone. Said Yosef HaTzadik, I am alone. You, you're asking me what I want? I want to be accepted. The biggest word in Chinuch, the biggest word in, as being a human being, we all want to be accepted. The reason so many kids hit the street, the reason that so many kids are going through turmoil, is because they don't feel in school they're accepted, they're not doing well. So I'm not accepted in school. I'm not accepted at home. But the street, the 7-Eleven in Muncie, the streets in Lakewood, the streets in Park, the streets in Flatbush, the street accepts everybody. It doesn't care if you're smart, if you're pretty, who your parents are, if you're religious, if you're not religious. You step into the street, you're accepted. And people are willing to give up their spirituality, their lives, everything in the world just to be accepted. How could this happen to you? How could this happen to such a good girl? How could it happen so fast? And the bottom line is, why did it happen? Because I wasn't accepted. And these guys, these people, they accept me for who I am. I hear it a hundred times a day. They accept me for who I am. They don't take it personally. We all want to be accepted. So did Yosef HaTzadik. I just want to be, what do you want like? You say, I want to be like my father. I want to be rich. I want to be the next level of God. No. Es achai. Ani mevakesh. I am just looking to be one of my brothers. I am looking to be the girl in the class. that when the other girls invite them to the house, that they should remember me. A girl today called me. A, girl, a father met me after my shit today. And he introduced me to his daughter. And he said, my daughter is called the nerd of the class. And she doesn't get invited anywhere because she's the smartest in the class. And they call her a nerd. They're asking, what should I do? That girl is in big trouble because if she feels that she's a nerd, she feels unaccepted, someone's going to come along, it's not good for her, that's going to say, nerd, schmerd, I don't care what you are, I accept you, and she will fall because she's so vulnerable. So that's what Yosef HaTzadik said over here. I just want to belong. I just want to be part of the group. I just want to be accepted by my peers. That's all I want. I just want acceptance. But he didn't get it. And the psukim are beautiful. I spoke about this today. This is the Torah. This is not a subject that you take a test on. This is life. Every word is life. Listen to what happens. But you, Yosef, so they saw Yosef coming. And the Pasuk doesn't, never says an extra word. 
before he even got near to them. They didn't even know what he wanted. Maybe he came to apologize for the dreams. Maybe he came to make friends. Maybe he had a million dollars from his father to give them. They didn't care. They already judged him. He said that they're all going to bow down to him. He's a murdered b'malchus. Yehuda's the king. He's a murdered b'malchus. Murdered b'malchus chayim misa. He said, Navi Sheker, he's saying we're going to bow down to him. Navi Sheker, Chayav Misa. They passed him. He's Chayav Misa. So they never gave him a chance. The Terem Yikrav Aleyhem, they never let him get close. Before he even got close, by they got together and they made a plan to kill him. Give the kid a chance. I'll tell you why he's coming. Now, we passed him on him. We don't want to have anything to do with him. Says the Those 11, they were brothers. And one said to all his brothers, Not he made our brothers coming, they left out the brother part. The dreamer is coming. And we know what they did, they threw him into the bar and they sold him. So Pasha's Mikates, the brothers come down. Vayar Yosef is Echav Vayakiren. Yosef sees his brothers and he recognizes them. What's his What's his deal? What does he do? He calls them spies. Now he was brilliant, Yosef Hatzal. So he came up with this brilliant plan. If I'm going to tell my brothers that I'm Yosef, they're going to get very scared. They're going to do tshuva, but it's not tshuva me'ava. It's because they're scared to be to be forgiven. It has to be tshuva me'ava. They have to come to the realization that they did a big avera by selling me. So he came up with a brilliant idea. He knew his brothers were big tzaddikim. So he said like this, I'm going to be, tell them that they're spies. I'm going to be chayish b'cherim. They're not spies. Right? So they're going to get together and they're going to say, ha, listen, if your ear hurts, why does it hurt? Because you listen to Lashon Haram. You have an eye, something in your eye, why does it hurt? Because you look at something you weren't supposed to. Everything's music and media. So they're going to get together and say, what's up with this crazy king? He thinks we're spies? We're not spies. He's chayish b'cherim. What did we ever do wrong that we were chayshu b'kshayim. And then they're going to say, oh, must be what we did to Yosef. Let's do tshuva. It was a perfect plan. He's going to get them to do tshuva because they're going to realize me, they can make me though. Somebody who's chayshu b'kshayim, it must be there with chayshu b'kshayim, they're going to do tshuva. But it didn't work. What happens? He gets all excited. By Yair Me'ishalachim, Yehuda says to all the brothers, you know what? This is happening. I shame him on Achnu. We did a terrible sin. And he's sitting there listening to this. They don't know he speaks Hebrew. And he's like, ah, Baruch Hashem, he's going to say we did a terrible sin. We sold Yosef. We have to do tshuva. And he, he accomplished what he wanted to do. But he wasn't, that's not what happened. We did a terrible sin to our brother. Because we saw him in so much pain when we sold him. And he begged us. And we didn't listen. We did not pity. We figured out why this happened. Why did it happen? We didn't have pity on him. What are you talking about? This, didn't, this is not happening because you didn't have pity on me. Because you were Christ the Sharon. What's me that connected me that you have pity on me? So what they were saying to each other was, our verdict of guilty was correct. Our sentence of selling him, we could have been a little kinder. So he's like, I cannot believe that my brothers are missing the whole point. This has nothing to do with having Rachmanus on me. They were wrong. I was not a Nabi Shekhar. I was not trying to take over the Malchus. So it didn't work. So the Torah tells us something unbelievable. Such a sad person. The Torah tells us, the Yaker Yosef, 
as Echav, Yosef recognized his brothers, Behem lo hikiruhu, but they did not recognize him. Now let me tell you something. Chazal says, the Chidot says, that Yosef HaTzadik looked exactly like his father Yaakov. It's brought down all over Chazal. Now, I can understand if he was clean-shaven, they didn't recognize him. But he wasn't. He had a beard. So actually, when they came down to Mitzrayim, Yosef was in a beard, which meant that Yosef looked exactly like his father. <coughs> so how could they not recognize him? They came in front of him. He looks exactly like Yaakov. How could they not recognize him? And the Torah tells us, listen carefully to what's going on here. What a lesson. The Torah tells us, he recognized them, but they did not recognize him. How is it possible that they did not recognize him? He looked exactly like Yaakov. And now with the beard, they were actually looking at their father. And, and the Mebbi says that when Yosef saw the Kudosh Shalavim, it wasn't some kind of mirage or, you know, his father came flying to the window. The Mebbi says that he went to the window to open the window. He saw his reflection in the window. So he saw his face, which is the same face as his father, which was the same face as Yitzhak. We know Yitzhak looked exactly like Avram because it says that so that no one can say that Elimelech was the father of Yitzhak. So they all looked alike. So when he looked in the mirror, when he looked in the window, he saw Yaakov, Yitzhak, and Avram. And he said, how can, what I want to do for myself is one thing. Well, I'm going to do this to what I see in the mirror of my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfathers. And I tell this to kids that are off the deck, I'm like, you know what, what you're doing, you're doing. But what about your great-grandmother that was in Auschwitz? What about all her suffering? What about the ones that didn't make it, that screamed, Shmaishra in the gas chamber? What are you doing to her? Forget about you. What about her? We have to learn that not to just look at ourselves in the reflection, but the reflection goes way, way, way back. We heard a crazy story. There was a girl that was going to jump off a roof. It's a true story. And the police were trying to talk it down, talk it down. A Jewish girl. And they were trying to talk it down. Everybody came, rabbeim and parents and families. And she's on the edge of this roof on a cold night, and she's about to jump. And there's one young guy there that says, let me talk to her. And I said, you? You ready? No. Are you uh, special in suicide? No. He says, I'll get her off the roof. Okay? Nobody else says, you go up. He goes up to the roof. It's a true story. And he says to this girl, can I talk to you for a minute? She says, who are you? He says, I'm a young, single guy. What do you want? Listen to what he said. He said, you're a firm girl? She goes, yes. He says, do you know that 40 days before you came into the world, your name was mentioned together with a boy's name? that this boss, Kleini, will go to this Ben Tony. She said, yeah, I know that, Chazal. She said, you know, if you jump off this building, that boy will be going out, going out, going out, going out. He's never going to have children. He's never going to get married. He's going to live to be an Altabacher. Are you willing to take your responsibility? I understand you're through pain. You're going through everything you're going through. But what about the reaction to what you're doing to him? And she stood there for five minutes, and she got off the ledge. And she went downstairs, and she went wherever they took to the cycle, where they had to do, and he saved her life. You can't always think about just yourself. You have to think about what I'm about to do. How is that going to affect all my diaries and all the diaries before me? And if you're able to think that way, if you're able to look in that mirror, if you're able to see just not yourself, but my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother that gave up everything to keep Shabbat, that gave up everything that the Nazis couldn't break no matter what they did, and I'm her great-granddaughter! It's a whole different decision before you're going to step forward. There's no question about that. Yosef HaTzadik saw it himself. So how could these brothers not see that it was him? And becoming 
The young and true surely thought that was him. He wasn't even part of that. Teretz is so true. And the Teretz is, the Medrash says, and when they came down to Mitzrayim, where was the first place the brothers went? They went to the Rechavites of the Zainites. They went to the worst immoral streets of Mitzrayim looking for Yosef because he was very beautiful and they sold him to Mitzrayim and they held him with a low life and a chai of misenik. So where could our brother end up? He could only end up in the streets, I don't want to translate it, in the streets of, of, of the red light district, of the worst Toma in the world. Now how come the Egyptians didn't tell them, you're looking for a Jewish kid? There is a Jewish kid. He's second to the king. And they didn't tell them that. Because they couldn't even imagine if there were a bunch of guys here looking for a brother in the Bay Zionites that the same guy could be sitting second to the king. They're brilliant guys about time. So they didn't tell them that. So that's what they were looking for. So that's where you're looking for your brother and now you're coming to the second of the king and you're looking at his face even if he looks like your father you have to believe that it can't be Yosef. Because if that's Yosef then the dreams are true then no, he's not Chaim Misa then the last 22 years of us believing that we were right just went out the window. No, 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 no. I can't be that long. So they actually looked at the truth and were in total denial and the title says not an accident but Loy, it's a verb. They would not. They would not recognize him. Because if they recognize him, then they recognize that they made a mistake for 22 years. They probably worked for him. Why they passed him? What they did? And everything is going to go out the window. And Benjamin, just to show you when it comes to Machlekes, Benjamin, who was just part of Machlekes, he was swept to, the, to, to look for his brother in the worst places. He's like, uh, I can't be my brother. My other brothers told me what he's like. He's a low life. He's Kaimisa. That can't. Be. So even the people who were not involved, but the people that got swept into Machlekes. They also can't believe it. There's a girl that went through my high school. My high school was for kids who went through terrible, terrible things in their life. And they're mom's on the street. And there's a girl in my house who got kicked out of her from school when she was in 10th grade. And I'm not making a judgment call whether the principal should have thrown her out or not. She did something pretty bad. He threw her out. We got her. From the street a year later. To make a long story short, she became from. She was a shaito. She was married. She did snua. Mama, she needs him in the place. Man, the guy's learning. It's like, unbelievable. She's in Glotmar, in Flatbush. And the principal of the high school that threw her out is in Glotmar. He's there, the rabbi's there. And she's so proud because she changed. So she walked by him with her cart, specifically like, I know. <laughs> he totally does not recognize her. So she walks up to him. And she says, Rabbi, so-and-so, now she's going to get hurt, you know, do you recognize me? And he looks at her, and he says, young lady, I'm sorry, I, I, were you ever in my school? I don't were you in my school, or I, know, I, I really, I don't recognize you. Would you know that he did it? So she says to him, I was in your school. He says, really? She goes, yeah, I am so-and-so. <coughs> now, she was looking for the reaction. Wow! Baruch Hashem! Look what you became! But if he says, look at what you became, means he made a mistake. He can't say, look what you became, because then why did I let you go? If you can become this, well, I didn't see your potential, then I'm no good at what I do. So that's not what he said. He said, impossible. <laughs> impossible! How can I be so wrong? That you can turn it to this? You'll have to learn it? I threw you out into the streets. Impossible! 
Maybe it's your twin, your cousin, you look alike, but that girl can't look like you. That's what the brother said here. He looks like Dad. He looks exactly like him. Impossible. We passed him on him. He's a loser. And he's high Misa. He cannot be Yosef, says the Torah. But why he kire, he recognized that he was dying to be accepted. But why he kire, he said, cannot be. Well, you know, everybody has a twin in the world. <coughs> Something happened, but that cannot be Yosef Atzal. So he tried again. And he said, they didn't get it the first time. Now I'm going to put a cup in his bag and we'll be close to him again. This time, they're going to figure it out. Again, must be we made a mistake. So he puts the cup in the in the bag. What happens in Pashvayigash? Yehuda says, Aha! Now they want to keep Binyamin as a prisoner. Must be, this is not from Shemayim. This is not revenge for what we did because Binyamin didn't do anything. So if this king wants to put Binyamin in jail, must be, it's an anti Semite! Yehuda said, I thought this was coming from Shemayim. I was behaving. Now you want to take Binyamin? Now I know this is your own stuff. I'm going to rip your head off. I'm going to kill Paro. We're going to wipe out the home of Triumph. If this is not Xero from God, we're going to teach all of you a lesson. So Yasef realized it. And Yasef said, I better tell them who I am. Because if I don't tell them who I am, my tricks, this whole business with Mida Kedegamida, is getting worse. Before, at least they realized they did something wrong. They didn't have, they didn't have pity on me. Now, they're already saying they did nothing wrong. It's I'm an anti-Semite. It's getting worse. So he couldn't control himself. So listen to this person. He couldn't hold it in. And he cried. He said, I am Two questions. One, he knew his father was alive. Many psukim it says that he asked, is my father okay? Is, is the old man okay? He's okay. He'll die if Benjamin doesn't come back. They told him a hundred times that Yaakov was alive. What are you asking now if your father's alive? You know that your father's alive. Question number two, once he said, I need Yosef, he should have said, Ha'od avinu chai. Is our father alive? If I, my brothers are standing here, and I'm like, I am one of you, I need Yosef, is our father alive? He said, is my father alive? What's going on here? And what's the law Yochol and They couldn't answer. They had a great answer. We had a best in nine guys. So Chazal, Hashem came, he was the tenth. We had a best in ten people, ten. We made a judgment call. Okay, you Yosef, we made a mistake. No, get over it. What's this? What? The Yochol Levanos, they couldn't answer. He never only part of They couldn't, they couldn't be in front of him. What happened here? This is what Yosef said. Listen, brothers. I'm Yosef. I'm Yosef. You know what? I am a coddle. I accept. You judged me wrong. I can handle that. But I have to ask you a question. Ha'oi Chai, when you sold me, wasn't our father alive? Why did you think about him? You passed it on me, but who gave you permission to pass it to ruin 22 years of my father's life? And since you didn't think about my father when you did this, he taught them an unbelievable Muslim. He's not your father. If he's not in your husband, when you do something, he was not in your husband, what you were doing to him, that it's only my father. And you never accepted me as a brother? So if you're not my brothers, and he is my father, then he's only my father. 
They can answer, we made a Hezdin, we thought, we tried, Hashem was one of us. They can answer everything, but this they could not answer. Listen to the Torah, bro. This is not a subject. This is godless. This is life. What is part of me? From his face. Because his face was the face of Yaakov. So he was getting Musa. They were getting Musa. How can you do this to your father? And they're looking at their father at the same time. He had the same face as his father. So they were getting this Musa about what they did to their father. And there's their father's face. From his face. That's what the time is telling us. They couldn't handle his face. What was with his face? His face was the face of his father. And he said to them, You didn't care about a father who's not your father. And the Medrash says, What's going to be in 120 years when you come to Shemaya? <coughs> what are you going to answer? Yeah, I had a good time. Come on, Hashem, it wasn't my fault. But what about a Kurdish Baruch? What about your father? What about the reaction of what you're doing? Hakar Satov, your father gives you life every morning. Does he give you life to do the wrong things? And you did the wrong thing! And he gives you life to do it again the next day! Because you can't do anything without Hashem giving you life! So at the end of the day, you're taking his life that he's giving you to serve him, and you're using it against him. And instead of him punishing you, the next morning, he gives it to you again! And you slap him again! And he gives it to you again! And you're 70 years old, and you did this 70 years, he gave you life, and you slapped him with it. And then you come to Shemayim, you nibble me one up. What are you going to answer? I understand what you did to yourself. What about me? I'm giving you the energy to do it to hurt me. And I'm such a good person. I'm such a Hashem. I'm, I'm such a godly chesed. I gave you the energy the next day. See? Turn off the lights. That means finish up. So, that means, that means you're finished. So let's let's wrap this up. So what? So let me. I want to show you who Yosef was. One of the most beautiful people in the whole in, in the whole Torah. So he still very 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 much feels very very alone. He just he just whispered his brothers, but he's still not accepted. So what happens? He tells them. Come. Come close to me. <coughs> and he says, Don't worry about it. I'm not angry. This all came from Akash Baruch Hu. Hashem is the one who sent me down to the trying, and he's trying, he's trying to make nice. And what happens? He goes to his brothers. And he falls on Binyamin's shoulders, and he cries, and they both cry together. He went and kissed all his brothers. What a lesson. It's just such a crazy lesson. It made Adam Khabir who who hurt who? They hurt him. The mamish destroyed him. We had to go through Potiphar's wife. He had to go through being in the jail. He had to go through marrying alone with his children. No minion, nothing, no yeshiva, living his whole life in in its triumph. I mean what they put this boy through, right? So they should say they're sorry. No. No. Yosef, he kissed all his brothers. He cried on them. They should be crying on him. He might have him sorry. No. Not Yesu Batsabi. He cried on them. He cried on all the crimes that they didn't have together, his brothers. He cried on all the missed opportunities. And then says the Prophet, the Torah, finally, in Pasik Tezvav, in Parag Memhe, the Acharei came, and after Yesu took this extra step, he didn't take it personal. He 
took the extra step and he went and kissed his brothers. And he hugged his brothers. He didn't wait for them to come to him. Finally, the Pasuk says, well, when I was reading this, I was crying. Says the Torah. And after this, what's after this? What's this? That the Yenashek, and he kissed his brothers and he cried on them about missed opportunities. The Achar came, Dibru, the first time. Dibru Echol. His brothers finally spoke to him as a brother. Till now, he was not a brother. And the Torah tells us that even Paro and Mitzrayim, who were not very sensitive people, knew that Yosef had everything in the world. He was second to the king, but he was not happy because he wasn't accepted. He didn't want to be accepted by Mitzrayim. He wasn't accepted by his family. So listen to this. But Yishma Paro, right? By Kol Nishma Beis Paro, and a voice went out, "Bahu Ache Yosef." They're now the brothers of Yosef. He took them in. By Yita Beinei Paro, who Beinei Avodah. These lowlifes became happy because they saw that finally Yosef became one of the brothers, and he was accepted. Every person needs to be accepted. That's all Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants from us is that we should accept. And sometimes, even if we're hurt and we're hurt and we're hurt, we have to be the ones, even though we're the ones that's hurt, that by Yenashe, that by Yigash, that we go back, even though after we get hurt, and we go back, and we go back and say, listen, you made a mistake, I made a mistake, whatever it is, I want to belong, I want you. I want to be part of you. Don't keep pushing me out. And this is how the Pasha ends. And this is how we'll end the Drasha tonight. End the Pasha by the Seems to be the end of a, of, a, of, a, of a book, of the book of Horatius, right, should be a pasuk that encapsulates everything. So, if I went into this room and I say, okay, girls, your homework is one line summary of the whole book of Horatius. Adam, Chava, Noah, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, going down to the track, everything that happened, I want you to write it to me in one line. That's what the last pasuk in the, in the book of Horatius should say. So let's take a look at how they encapsulate the whole thing. Hayamash, you say, you say, die. The man of Esther shot him, he was 110 years old. By Echantu also, they mummified him. By Yisem Ba'aron, they put him in a coffin. Last plastic, last word, last word in the book of Horatius. Bimitrayim, he died. They mummified him, dropped him in a coffin, dropped him in the triumph. And all the men in Shul scream, Yay! Chazak, chazak, when he's chazak. What a great plastic. He's dead in a coffin in the triumph. Yay! And that capsulates the whole voracious. What does this have to do with creation? Stick this Pusik five psukim before this. And with something nice. What's going on here? Everyone's screaming, we're trying. Everyone's screaming, chazak, chazak, v'nis chazak. What's going on with this Pusik? This looks like the most terrible Pusik in the whole book of voracious. And why does it say that they put him in a coffin? All the people that ever died, Tanakh, Tayyar, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, they never said it, they put him in a coffin. Who cares? Why do we need to know that? They put him in a palace, they put him on a stretcher, they just threw him into the water. What's the difference? Why do we have to know that they put him in a coffin? They don't say they put Abraham in a coffin, or Yitzhak, or Yishmael, or Ace, or anybody. All of a sudden, the last posse, we need to know a detail. Guess what? He was in a coffin. What's going on? I'm sure that most of you haven't slept since you went this plastic in fourth grade, and now all your insomnia is going to be gone. You're going to go home, and whilst you answered it, of course, Hashem, I can sleep. So what's the answer to this? So a few psukim before that, his brothers are very scared because Yaakov died. And they're like, you know, we can't believe this kissing bit, 
and is being so nice to us, but this is until dad dies. But the minute our father's going to die, you're going to, come on, you're human. Yosef, you're human. You're going to take us and make us slaves and all our children slaves. You're going to take revenge. You're human. So, a Yippul will find out and they say, we'll be your servants, just don't kill us. I said, stop being so nervous. You want to do bad. He tells them, don't worry, I'm going to feed you. And your children, you ready for this? And he comforted them. And he spoke to their hearts. One second. He has to comfort them? They sold him. He has to speak to their hearts? The twelve, the ten of them should have gotten together. Speak to his heart. They heard him. That's why he's my man. He went ahead and he did the opposite. He said to them, don't worry about it. It wasn't up to me, but much deeper than that. He comforted them and he did something that's unbelievable. Now he gave them a whole schmooze and he talked to them from his mouth. He talked to them from their, his heart. And they saw that he really meant, and, and after that, the Pusik said that he died. And that could have been the end of the Tyra. That he lived 110 years. Not that he died. What's going on with this last Pusik? <laughs> so that's life. Life looks like the worst stuff happens, and really it's the best stuff. So let me tell you what this last Pusik's all about. Klaishrol, Shemos, the next book, right? They come out and try him. They come to Yamsuf. What's going on? Yamsuf said, Moshe Rabbeinu says, split, we got to go through. Yamsuf said, I don't split. I got tidal waves, I got tsunamis, I can freeze, I got big waves, but I don't split. And I definitely don't split 12 times. So that's not my teva. I am created the teva. Sorry, you can hold your stick up there from now to Luna, but I'm not splitting. <laughs> the measure says it, I'm not splitting. So they were stuck. They went up, up to Shemayim, because both were sat on the... On the on Kisei Shodin, and the uh, Malachim said, they serve idols and they serve idols. But Hadin, Yam doesn't have to break his tether. So we were stuck between an ocean and a bunch of crazy Egyptians. And we were in big trouble. Hayam Rabayanas, all of a sudden the Yam saw something and it split. Ma'ra Hayam Bayanas, says the Medrash. Why did the Yam see that, see that it split? So why did it split? Because it, because Yosef demanded, I broke my tema. By the whole case of Potipa's wife, I didn't fall into it. I ran out. It says, So the Rebbe says, In the schus of him running, from Potipa's wife, the Yam had to run. He broke his tema, the Yam had to break his tema. He broke his tema, he didn't belong. If you break down this whole story, he had brothers, he was disconnected, he wasn't one of them. He went through a terrible life. When he came to the end of the time, when he came to take revenge, he said, Revenge? Revenge? I don't take revenge. I kiss the people who hurt me. I ask them for Mechila, the people who hurt me. I don't live in a world of Teva. He broke his Teva. And therefore, the Yamsuf had to break his Teva. And we were all saved. So how do you finish the book of Bereshis? 
is the most important pusik and most important word in the whole Horatius. He died. They mummified him. They put him in an Aron in Mitzrayim. Had they taken him to Eretz Yisrael and buried him like Yaakov in Eretz Yisrael, then when they came to the Yam, and the Yam said, we're going to split, there was no Arweno Shal Yosef, we would have been wiped out, and there would have been no Matan Taira, and no Beit HaMikdash, and no Eretz Yisrael, and the whole Shemot, and the Yikur, and the and the Varim wouldn't have happened, and the whole reason Hashem created Bereshit, the world, was so we should get the Torah. So the last Pasuk in Bereshit is the re- in how we got the Torah. In Mitzrayim, he died in Mitzrayim, and that's where he was left. Because had he been in Eretz Yisrael, we would have been stuck by the Yam. So the worst Pasuk tells us he was in an Aroyim. So when we learn the Medrash and it says, Ma Ra Hayom, Aroyim Rosh Hayom, you'd all scream, what do you mean a coffin? Who says he was in a coffin? The terrorist says he was in a coffin. And therefore, that's what they saw. We saw the coffin of the Yosef Atzali, and that gave the ability for the Yam to split. And that's why we scream. And the worst word, the last word in Horatius is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim stands, according to the Chazal, Mitzrayim stands for the Satan, the Klippa. Mitzrayim was the worst of everything. And that's how you end? Yes, because had he not stayed in Mitzrayim, the Yom would have never split, there would be no Chazak. So we all scream, Chazak, Chazak, everybody, you're going through pain, you're going through hardship, things are happening to you, you're being hurt, all this stuff is happening to you, that's Yosef Atzadik, Mitzrayim, ended up saving us, but that's where he was. So be Chazak, be strong, don't give up, because some stuff looks really bad, but it's really good. So my bracha to everyone here is, you should have a Koyach, you should have a Koyach to break your Teva. If you're able to break your Teva, somebody embarrasses you, or somebody says something to you, and you're able not to react, just the opposite, you're able to go hug that person that hurt you, but you're not Eschem, he kissed them. You're able to hug them, forgive them, comfort them, talk to their heart, you have the ability to split a Yamsov. There's a Rav Chaim Kainevsky, a famous, famous story, he says it over all the time, Rav Chaim. Of a, of, a, of a couple that had, didn't have children for 12 years. And they came to Rav Chaim, and Rav Chaim gives you a bracha. The bracha is Mekayim. And they came to Rav Chaim for a bracha for a child, and Rav Chaim said, I cannot help you. And that's not a good thing to hear from him. He said, I cannot give you a bracha. I cannot give you a haftacha, actually. They want a promise, not a bracha. I can't, I can't give it to you. So, but I'll tell you what. I can tell you this. If you can find a person who was embarrassed in public, the Robin is a famous story. If you find someone who was embarrassed the Robin and didn't answer... Get a bracha from that person. Whatever comes out of their mouth will come true. Because if they can break their teva to be embarrassed in public and not answer, then they can ask Hashem to break any teva. A person stage four cancer, they can make, they can heal them. A person who's not can't have children, they can have they can make them have children. They can, a person who's not supposed to have a, a share, whatever, they have a koyach like like Yosef to break them. I broke teva. I can force Hashem to break teva. So this girl walked out totally broken. I went for a hafachah from a chayim, and I got go find someone else. I want a baby, tell me go find someone else. And she forgot about it. And they were very hurt and they were very upset. They didn't get it, they figured it's Mashiach, they're never going to have children. A year later, she's at a wedding, and it was a divorce, it was a wedding of a child, and the mother and father were divorced. And uh, actually, it was, it was an aunt of the, of the Kala, and she was divorced from her. So she decided she wasn't invited because she's now not on their side anymore. So she decided to go because this niece was very close to her. And she's going to crash the, the wedding, and she's going to take one dance with her niece. So she comes into the wedding. They're all the enemies because she's the ex. She comes into the wedding. It's a true story. And she walks over to the Kala to go dance. The Kala loved her. It was her niece. And the mother 
her ex-mother-in-law, started screaming, you get out of here, you destroyed my son's life, you destroyed my grandchildren's life, mama ripped her, with her ex-mother-in-law, in front of the whole wedding. This poor girl didn't get a chance to even dance with her niece. Mama crawled out of there. I mean, she was so embarrassed. This girl, who didn't have children, hadn't been at that wedding. And all of a sudden, she gets hot, she hot. Oh my God, this girl just got embarrassed in front of everybody. And she, this girl has already left the wedding. She runs outside. Meanwhile, this woman, who, who was never embarrassed, she sees this girl running after her, thinking it's from the other side, right? <laughs> <laughs> running after her. So she starts running. So she's running and she's screaming, No, I need a brook, I need a brook, I need a brook. She catches her. And she walks over and she says, I don't have children for 12 years. Could you give me a brook? She says, Well, my, I'm just a regular person. She says, No, you were just embarrassed in front of everybody. And you didn't say one word. <coughs> give me a brook, I should have children. Chaim Kandeski says over, but a year later, he was the son of Adapris. So you can ask him. This is not a story in a book. He talks about it all the time. You hear? A Kayach of a person who breaks their power, who wants to do something that's your nature, and says, no, I'm going against my nature. You have a Kayach of bringing Mashiach. And it says in the Gemara that you are the one who are going to bring Mashiach. That's why I speak to women. He says that men, we really think it's us. Not you and me. Shas. Chaylel. Right? And the Gemara comes out, and the Gemara says, you took us out of Gauls Mitzrayim, and the Nashrits of Kariyas are going to take us out of this Gauls. Not the Daf me, Not all the learning Torah. That's keeping us alive. That's keeping us until the Shiach comes. But who is going to say it's Gemara? Can't argue with the Gemara. The Gemara says, the Nashrits of Kariyas of the generation well, took us out of Mitzrayim. They did. They got us out of Mitzrayim. They're going to get us out of this Gauls. Now, I say this all the time to my boys. And I don't understand. Because guys, you know, we have uh, a little attitude, you know. We think we're a little better. So, like, I'm expecting, like, Rebbe, what are you talking about? What did they do already? Like, what did the ladies do already? I'm learning. You know, I know shots five times. Like, what did they do already? How many of them say that? And they never complain. Every time I say, I just want you to know, when it comes down to it, Moshiach comes, it's the Nashim Tzipanias. And they're all shaking their heads like, yes. <laughs> so finally I had the nerve a few months ago and I said, guys, I, you have to, I don't understand something. You're always jumping down my throat. How can you just accept this? That the women, that all your Torah, all your learning, all your Tzvillin, and your Tzvillin, your Tzvillin, and everything that you do, you're not bringing Mashiach, but the girls are bringing Mashiach. How come this doesn't bother you? And they all smile. And they're like, Rabbi, is Mashiach here? <laughs> I'm like, no, you see, it's their fault. I'm very happy. So my brother for all of you is, here to Hashem, that if it's your fault that he's not here, the next time I get up and speak, we thank you that it's your fault that he is here. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.